This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dockin and Grant Collins will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is November 16th. Um, Sorry, we weren't on last week. Uh, We will not be doing a podcast uh, this coming Thanksgiving week. Um, So this will be Kind of one of our last ones of the year. We'll do one and two in December. Um, but let, let, let's, let's kick us off. So today, stocks jumped up um, fair bit. It was really good earnings. Or, and, and additionally, uh, we had some strong retail sales. So, I mean, we saw Dow go up, um, you know, 54 points. Uh, VIX was down slightly. We also saw the U.S. 10-year go up to 1.64%. So yields are slightly better. Um, I mean, what we really saw was online shopping posted the biggest relative gain for the month, went up 4%, and goods uh, were up for 10.2% gain from a year ago. Um, I mean, ultimately, people are, it's kind of a vicious cycle, right? They're they're expecting more inflation, and therefore, they're splurging more, uh, and they're splurging more because they expect things are to get more expensive. So that's actually been a boon to retail sales. So, <laughs> Driving the yeah, price yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> We did see Walmart and Home Depot beat earnings for profit and revenue their latest quarter. We saw WeWork, which was really their first earnings as a public company. They disclosed a rise in new customer leases, but still had a $800 million loss in the third quarter, which is pretty significant. One thing we did also see is companies are using the term supply chain. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was over 800 times so far in earnings. So they're really blaming the supply chain on on the rise in prices, Uh, not just retail companies, but just across the board. So inflation looks like it will be a main trend heading into the next year. Yeah. Should be seeing some more tourism too. Um, The other week, the United States ended long-standing pandemic travel ban. It's been in place for a year and a half. It's big boom, uh, it's big thing for the tourism industry and obviously for families who ha- have loved ones in the United States who are who are from, from another country. Um, but yeah, visitors can come into the U.S. with proof of a full COVID-19 vaccination. Um, and, and additionally, I mean, a lot of them are coming from, from Europe. Uh, Europe has a temporary spike, uh, but at this point, I'm kind of sick of these contrarian articles. Just open up travel. I mean, it's whatever. What are you waiting ship. for at yeah, this point? Yeah, there. I completely agree. So the ban was put in place by by President Donald Trump in 2020. Then it was expanded by Joe Biden. So now 33 countries were prohibited. Now are are able to come in. We did see airline executives said that this has had a big surge in bookings. So bookings have gone up. A lot of corporations that have offices in, say, London or or Paris or Frankfurt were able to come over to New York for the first time, as well as families, as you said. We did see a bit of a jump in United as well as Delta, Uh, really the two main airlines who have the majority of international service. So we saw them, and and as we see U.S.-bound travel and and X-bound travel for U.S. citizens, I do think we will see United and Delta's earnings and profits start to rebound from the pandemic levels we saw. 
Yeah, and there doesn't seem like there was much of a reluctance to travel. I mean, you had a Virgin Atlantic spokesperson who's talking about their flights out of London Heathrow are 98% full. So, you know, people are ready to travel again. Um, I think I think it's a good thing. One thing we did see, Drew, is the vaccine mandate. It seems like that's changing every day with, with appeals and in federal courts. Um, we did see it. it uh, ge- attorney generals from Texas, South Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Utah, um, as well as several private companies really filed to petition. Uh, looks like it was granted. And really what the mandates are is companies under 100 or over, sorry, uh, more employees have to make sure that their staff has the shots to be fully vaccinated by January 4th. Um, could see that this may have a, a bit of a drag on the economy opening up as seems like this is a main point of focus for a lot of firms. Yeah, well, the mandate applies to January 4th and then protocols go into place, meaning weekly testing and everything else. Um, masks inside. Yeah, masks inside and, and that sort of thing. We saw a few judges, um, a couple from uh, Trump appointees and one from uh, at least one from the Reagan administration, which, I mean, imagine how old that guy must be. <laughs> but they were the ones who... Uh, Ultimately, you know, the federal they were from the federal appeals court that that blocked the the vaccine for for the time being. That was just a day after it had gone to effect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But another good sign for the economy was the strong job reports that came out. Um, so employment increased by over 500,000 jobs, really in the manufacturing, hospitality, professional space. Overall, it seems like the supply chain disruptions in in COVID, we did see the gross domestic product grow by just 2%. Uh, A lot of people had expected around 5%. So still, I think these supply chain issues are a a big driving factor rather than uh, a shortage of of labor. Obviously, both of those will have an, an, an impact. Um, overall, anything else that we should look at from the jobs report, Drew? Uh, wages have continued to go up. Um, gains in average hourly wages were up 0.4% from the past month. When we're looking at the past 12 months. Wages are up 4.9%. Uh, you know, we, we talked a bit about you know, ma- like manufacturing um, indices. Well, and you mentioned that was a big gain, 60,000, but. You know, professional and business services added 100,000 jobs as well. Uh, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, we said that a lot of people who were actually quitting part of the great resignation where people between 40, 45, middle management, uh, you know, professional and business services. So it seems like some of those people have come back. And a big point I think you just made is we hear a lot about the inflationary pressures. Is it stagflation? What is it? And if wages continue to rise as well as inflation, that typically is, is, is not is not a bad sign, right? That would be a sign that if we're, there isn't a growth in the economy. Um, so even though inflationary pressures may be high, if wages continue to go up, uh, that is actually the sign of, of a good economy. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, things are I mean, stagflation is the worst of both worlds. You've got sluggish growth and rise in prices. And Right now, we're seeing growth and rise in prices. Uh, yeah. we, we did see the Fed. That's also, I think, going to have an impact on some of these numbers. Is we talked about, I think, this on last week's show, but the uh, I guess two weeks ago, but the bond purchases. So the Fed announced that they'll really start to end that, hope to end that, taper that down by the end of uh, middle of next year, 
And we also are now seeing more and more talk about rising interest rates uh, once that program ends. So looking like at least one, maybe two rate hikes next year. Yeah. I mean, and since the other week, uh, I mean, 10-year yields ha- have have gone up. But yes, it was certainly odd that, you know, you had the aftermath of a strong jobs report um, followed by uh, a fall in the in 10-year Treasury yields, uh, you know, Big part being is that, um, you know, people are interpreting that as Fed policy errors, right? And then they and also looking at Fed precedent of trying to soft land uh, any any economy um, during inflation. So I think that's that's part of what we were saying, um, and that's just in terms of like what a lot of the analysts are saying um, as well, coming out of places like um, you know BMO and, and, and capital economics and everything else. Yeah, well, as we begin to see rate hikes, I think that will begin to change as well. Um, should we talk about the three trillion dollar tech companies? It seems like there's going to be a raise to three trillion. Microsoft is now just a little bit more. It seems like it's going back and forth a little more valued, higher market cap than Apple. Um, so the S and P has six companies that are worth at least one trillion, um, and then. Looks like Meta might be rebounding after um, Meta, formerly Facebook, <laughs> after their reputation woes that we're, we're seeing right there. Yeah, uh, We did see Tesla have a huge rally. Looks like JP Morgan is actually suing Tesla right now for the loss that they suffered from Elon Musk's tweets. It seems like he should probably just delete Twitter, probably save him couple million dollars here or there um it's it's he's trying to be like conor mcgregor of the tech world and i don't know how it's going for him but uh. seems like twitter someone should be else running his his twitter account but some people are seeing that these new rallies in the tech companies similar to 1999 2000 drew do you see any similarities you know cisco comes to mind and now cisco doesn't seem to be a major player should we worried about the overvalue of, of these tech companies as they approach the, the trillions? Yeah. So right now we have five that are collectively worth almost uh, ten trillion, and as you mentioned, Meta's very, very close to to becoming that six. That represents, um, you know, not quite, but you know, round round a, a quarter of the um, uh, S and P five hundred valuations. So. Yeah, that's just a lot of exposure. That just means that market breadth hasn't been great. A lot of the gains over the last couple of years have obviously come out of these five and six different companies. Um, so, yeah, if, if one or two of them, um, you know, kind of fall in a domino effect, uh, that's that's really where you see, you know, big hits to stock returns. The, and the growth has been there, so it's kind of hard to say they're overvalued, especially because a lot of these companies – the Apples, the Microsofts, they're sitting on a boatload of cash still and they're and they're still beating earnings. So from a standpoint, they, some people say they're overvalued because they're valuation. But if you look at the fundamentals of, of the stocks, you, you can be convinced otherwise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it goes into, um, I mean, mergers and acquisitions have obviously exploded too. So these, these companies, like you might look at them from a trust busting standpoint, but they actually have a lot of stuff under them. Right. It's, uh, and they're aggregating them and they're able to then encompass a full solution for a lot of their customers, which 
makes them more attractive. So are they buying up everything? Could they be considered a monopoly? Possibly, but they are adding to consumer value, getting a lot of those startups up and running and, and in, in front of more customers than if they were by themselves. Across like many different market segments too. So like diversified holdings. So yeah, you're looking at a few different companies, but um, they're quite eclectic and diverse in, in what they're doing these days. One stock that I'm really high on, and I think you are too, is, is Ford. So we saw Ford stock top over $20. And really, a lot of people think that their CEO, Jim Farley, is really a, the main contributor. Uh, he took over in 2001 when the stock was, was 7%. We saw it really it grow 129% so far this year. Seems like they might be a big competitor to Tesla in, in, in terms of electric they are really transformed into that um, from their old U.S. production, so really focused on batteries and vehicles. Uh, it seems like they have the Ford F-150, which is the, the truck, the most sold mm -hmm. truck in the United States. And it looks like there's an electric version coming out on that. I think that will be very high on people. Um, also, it looks a lot better than, I would say, Tesla's truck that they were <laughs> thinking about coming out yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. I just think, I mean, they've been robust and aggressive. They're planning on investing $11.4 billion in U.S. production. When we're looking at um, electric batteries and, and vehicles. Uh, as you mentioned, they've outperformed a lot of their competition. Um, you know, they're up over 120, but, uh, you know, you're looking at General Motors is, is up 40 and change, and, and Tesla's, you know, up roughly 70% on the year. So yeah, they're definitely an outlier when it when it comes to uh, auto auto performance. And a big piece is they just restructured their balance sheet, so it's really strong. They repurchased five billion high yield loans that they had issued. So I mean, that's a big signal of a company that's that's doing well from a from a balance sheet standpoint. Uh, the other thing that we should mention after talking about it for God knows how long is we have passed at least one of the uh, bills. Uh, the infrastructure, the hard bill. So, uh, you know, Joe Biden's kind of been on a victory lap. We saw, I mean, almost all Democrats voted against it, uh, with the notable exception of several members of the quote-unquote squad, um, largely due to the fact that they say the moderates in the Senate can't be trusted to ultimately pass the bill back better, part of the infrastructure bill. But then you had 13 Republicans um, go with it in the House of Representatives, uh, which which uh, is kind of odd, meaning that's a much larger chamber. And we had 13 Republicans vote for it. But when you look at the Senate, I think that final tally was like 19 Republicans, and that's a chamber of 100 people. So just goes to show that districts are very red and very blue, whereas you're looking at a totality of a state there has to be a little bit more flexibility and nuance on some of these votes. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting for me to vote against it because you didn't think it was going to go. It didn't go far enough. So instead of having one trillion it, when we wanted three or whatever the number was, it, it seemed ridiculous to me that they're going to vote against something because uh, it didn't go far enough on, on some cases. Well, I, th I think why they, they voted against it is because they um, they think that had it gone through, uh, there's just they don't have any more leverage against Mansion and Cinema. You know, two people for for the other element of the bill. Um, and I think that's ultimately why they voted for it. Uh, 
New York of all places is going to see a tremendous amount of investment. Um, that gateway tunnel that they've been talking about since, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're finally going to build that out. That's that in terms of corridors, that's, you know, GDP centric, um, a lot, a lot of money that will come through that, uh, refurbishing the subways. So yeah, that was an interesting vote, um, from that standpoint, because obviously the constituents in, in the tried state area are going to benefit from some of those significantly. Uh, I mean, yeah. have you been on the subway recently? Yeah, it was. It's always been. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, just delayed. It's and... Chronic, chronic underinvestments in a lot of that basic infrastructure. But you know, I guess coming time back to markets, we've then seen you know the Global X U.S. Infrastructure Investment ETF go up. Um, than like Vulcan materials and just a lot of construction companies have, have seen uh, nice, tasty bumps since, since this bill has gone into law. You know, one last thing here is we did see OPEC members are going to hold firm on their production, even with a lot of um, major countries asking to produce more. So we saw Joe Biden come out. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like Joe Biden's in a bit of a sticky spot because he's really pushing for this green initiative, but then he's also telling people to pump more, yeah. more oil. So he's he's not in a great spot. Um, did seem like because OPEC members took such a hit during the pandemic, I could see them trying to re- recoup some of the profits with a, with a higher price of, of oil. It seems like right now we're touching right around uh, $85 US dollars for for a barrel, so that's up more than seventy percent than we saw last year, and it's really the highest level that we've seen in, in seven years. Yeah, I mean, there's been countries that have joined the U.S. in trying to pressure OPEC. Uh, Japan and India are definitely uh, among those, but uh, the, the statements coming out of a lot of these member countries have stated that the um, the markets are quite balanced right now, and they just want to go ahead with the old plan. Um, Russia, Saudi, Saudi Arabia in particular, uh, you know, are, are just are just big ones. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've really I mean, and also the people who are most affected in terms of this really on planet Earth are rural Americans because it's the number one per capita car ownership. And then also, um, you know, the heartland of the states is very, very, very rural and it requires just in terms of work and just travel, uh, just a lot of gasoline. So anything hits hard, even if relative to the rest of the world, we've always had affordable gas, we just drive more and uh, almost the entire population drives. So that's, that's something to consider. Absolutely. And the rise of electric vehicles, I mean, a lot of people in these rules have range anxiety um, and there's not the infrastructure built up to have charging stations. So. Um, gasoline is, is is here to stay in these places. Um, anything else uh, we should you know talk about for our viewers before they go into Turkey Day? Uh, one big thing as we were recording actually just came across is the Senate confirmed um, a big tech critic Jonathan Cantor to lead the DOJ Antitrust Division, uh, which seems like a big win for progressives. One in the Senate, sixty-eight to twenty-nine, um, seems like he is a big. Uh, antitrust uh, person. So we just talked about how big uh, tech companies are and, and them buying up and maybe reducing competition. Seems like he may take a bit of a harder stance. I think one thing we should be on the lookout for is how he 
takes a look at Meta. Uh, just because they change their name doesn't change <laughs> how people think about them. No. Um, and so I think uh, that will be one thing to see if anything comes out from him. Uh, what about you, Drew? Yeah, um, I think a big thing is want to look at Black Friday sales uh, this year in light of you know how much spending is going on. I mean, I think that'll be a good bellwether. So look for Black Friday sales, um, and then you know there's some company shares that have done pretty well. Um, you know, Peloton, which was kind of a bumpy patch. Uh, you know, after some of these gyms opened up, um, you know they 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 netted a one point seven billion discounted stock sale. So um, yeah, I just just want to see how some of these companies that did well during COVID are going to kind of navigate these waters now that there's more competition. All right, everybody, um, going to be out. Uh, like I said, next week, um, enjoy, enjoy Thanksgiving with friends and family. Uh, we'll be back, uh, early December. We're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellfest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by Wellfest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Wealthfest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the contents. Wealthfest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.